Hallelujah. All right. Open your Bibles, if you will. I'm starting a new series today called The Invisible Battle. Open your Bibles to Ephesians 6, if you would. This series is subtitled, Ways the Demonic Seeks to Entrap You and Rob You of Your Destiny and What You Can Do About It. So we're going to read a familiar passage in Ephesians chapter 6. And when you find Ephesians chapter 6, stand with me, if you will. And let's read verses 10 through 18. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat if you will. Praise God. Well, we're going to swing back around to that and uh, break that down in a little bit more detail toward the end of the teaching this morning. But I want to first talk about really where we're going with this series, and it's all about the demonic. We're going to be talking about the demonic realm because the Bible has a lot to say about the demonic and how the, the kingdom of darkness resists the people of God. As a matter of fact, the term Satan can be found 18 times in the Old Testament and 35 times in the New Testament. Now, many theologians believe that about one-third of the angels in heaven joined Satan in a rebellion against God, and for which they were all thrown out for. And those fallen angels are what the Bible refers to as demons. Now, demons are mentioned 21 times in the New Testament, and they're organized in, uh, under Satan uh, in a hierarchy. Demons are organized under Satan in a hierarchy. And that hierarchy consists of what we read about just now in Ephesians chapter 6. It, that hierarchy of demons consists of the rulers, authorities, powers, and spiritual forces of darkness in the heavenly realms, according to Ephesians chapter 6. And these demons have a goal. And that goal is to deceive people, to harass and resist the people of God, and prevent us from advancing God's kingdom in the earth. And they also have a goal of entrapping you and killing you if they can, by the way. If they can, but certainly entrapping you and enslaving you in certain ways. So we're going to talk about that this morning. So let's make some observations from the text. Then, as I said, we're going to swing back around toward the end of the teaching and break some of those terms down for you. But just a few very brief observations from the text for you is one, in verse 10, the devil schemes against the people of God. He's a tactician. He schemes against the, the people of God. In verse 12, therefore, we struggle against 
spiritual forces of evil. You know, a lot of the struggles that, that we have in our lives are because of the resistance of the demonic. Did you know that? Verse 17, part of, the, of our armament as people of God is our helmet of salvation. I want to emphasize that one because the helmet of salvation is our knowledge of how Satan operates. The knowledge of how Satan operates. You see, God has given us, every one of us, he's given us tools, the tools necessary to, to stand against Satan and win. I want to say that again. God has given every believer the tools necessary to stand against Satan and win. So although our emphasis today is the tactics of Satan, I want to emphasize that point as we move forward is that, yes, we do have an enemy that resists us, but God has given every believer the tools necessary to stand against Satan and win. But in order to win in this war, however, we have to recognize the movements and tactics of the enemy. As has been said, know thy enemy. If we know our enemy, we can more successfully resist him. Now, in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, in order that Satan should not outwit us. Do you know it's possible for Satan to outwit some believers? Did you know that? In order that Satan should not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So we need to be aware of Satan's schemes so that he doesn't outwit us. So in this teaching today and in this series, we're going to talk about different kinds of demonic spirits mentioned in the Bible. Now, demons have the ability to, quote, demonize people, even animals, for that matter. We see that in the Bible as well. And this is what the Bible refers to as demon possession. Now, by the way, people can be influenced and harassed by demons without ever experiencing all-out demon possession. Did you know that? Okay. Uh, A couple examples from the scripture. Uh, Peter, one time, just after he acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God, Uh, Then Jesus, you've heard me talk about this before, Jesus explained that he was going to go to Jerusalem and there be turned over to the authorities and crucified. And then Peter got all religious. He said, no, master, this shall never happen to you. And then Jesus changed his tune a little bit. He, He had complimented Peter before and acknowledged that he was hearing from the Lord when he, when Peter said that, that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. But then all of a sudden he changes his tune when Peter said that. And he said, get thee behind me, who? Satan. Satan. Get thee behind me, Satan. At that moment, Peter was being inspired and influenced by Satan at that particular moment. Because it was God's will for Jesus to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. And Jesus was not going to tolerate anything that would cause him to pity himself and not go through with that. Okay? So he jumped on that with both feet. Another example of people being harassed and influenced by the demonic without having experienced all-out demon possession is the woman who had been bent over for 18 years that Jesus healed. And then he did that on the Sabbath, by the way, and some of the people began to accuse him of, quote, working on the Sabbath. And Jesus' response was interesting. He said, Shouldn't this daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for these 18 years, not be healed on the Sabbath? He said Satan had bound her. 
So in this series, we're going to identify various spirits and what they do and how they attempt to entrap and influence people. So the first one that I'm going to deal with today, just very briefly, because I think that most of us already kind of understand that the spirit of divination is a demonic spirit and practice that influences people. Uh, but I'm going to deal with that just briefly because I know that not everybody understands that maybe. Let's, let, let me define divination. Well, divination is a practice in an attempt to gain insight into a question or a situation by means of an occultic ritual or practice. So let me give you some examples of that from the scriptures. So the manifestations of this would be things like fortune tellers, soothsayers, warlocks, Satanists, witches, Wiccans, Druids, pagans, etc. The zodiac, the practice of the zodiac, that's a, that's a pagan practice if you didn't know that. Horoscopes, rebellion, uh, hypnotists and enchanters, various different types of drugs for certain applications. Magic, astrology, tarot cards, and palm reading. Those are all under that category, the spirit of divination. They're all demonic. And there's several references for you. We won't go through all those, obviously. But I, uh, do I have those in your notes? I do not, because there's so many of them that I, I didn't put them in the, in the notes. But you can take a screenshot of that or take a picture of the screen if you want to, if you want to go through those. But all of those are representations of um, how God hates the spirit of divination. Okay? It's an, actually, it's an abomination. You know what an abomination means? It means something that God despises. It means he hates it. See, these practices are indeed an abomination to God. He loathes them because they're born in the bowels of hell. In the Old Testament, as a matter of fact, on that point, capital punishment was demanded for anyone who practiced these evil arts. So please do not open yourself up to the demonic like that by going and having your palm read or tarot cards or going to a, um, you know, you've seen these kind of roadside, what do they call themselves, palm readers or whatever, they, they have different names for what they do. But yeah, please don't, that opens yourself up to the demonic. Another one would be Ouija boards. Please don't, please don't open yourself up like that to the demonic. That's an open door to say, Satan, demons, go ahead and come on in and do whatever you want to me. Because you're participating with demons when you do that sort of thing. Okay? So please don't do that. And if you have done it, you probably need to repent of that and ask the Lord to cleanse you from any demonic attachments that might still be clinging to you. Because that can happen through those practices. Now, this next one, familiar spirits, is actually associated to some degree with what we just looked at, the spirit of divination. A familiar spirit is what the Bible calls a familiar spirit, is the spirit of a dead person invoked by a medium to advise or prophesy. So you see your list of scriptures down there. So familiar spirits, spirit of a dead person invoked by a medium to advise or prophesy. You see that in various places in the scriptures. Now, by the way, I want to say something about this. Um, people that are attempting to bring up the spirit of a dead loved one or whatever through this practice of an, in, invoking their spirit through a medium, sometimes they do actually get messages, but it's not from the spirit of that dead person. It's from a demon. They're not speaking to the spirit of that dead person. They're speaking to a demon. Okay? And keep in mind that demons always lie. 
So whatever message you're trying to get from your dead loved one or whatever, when you're speaking to a demon, they're going to tell you a lie anyway. So, you, I mean, so you just please don't open yourself up to that. These demonic practices can entrap you, and, and, and those demonic tentacles are very hard to dislodge sometimes when you've opened yourself up to that. Okay, so please. I mean, God's more powerful, so if you repent and you come to him in repentance, you can get free from those things, but sometimes it's a, it's a, it's a difficult process sometimes for some people. So just please don't, don't expose yourself to those things. Now, we've talked about <clears throat> that spirit of divination and those familiar spirits, and remember I said that demons always lie. So there's another type of spirit mentioned in the Bible, and the Bible calls it a lying spirit. So the manifestations are listed on the screen there with the, the uh, corresponding scriptures, but I'm just going to read them really quickly here for you. Strong delusions is one manifestation. Flattery can be another manifestation of the spirit of, of lying or a lying spirit because some people just use flattery to get what they want, okay, and to man manipulate people. So flattery is actually a I mean, this, that excessive flattery for the sake of manipulating someone, that's a lying spirit. Uh, superstitions, religious bondages and traditions, um, you know, that's mentioned in Mark 7, 8. Uh, Jesus said that the, the word of God is made of none effect because of your traditions. It's a lying spirit. False prophecy, accusations, slander, gossip, false teachers, and chronic lying. Now, on that note about chronic lying, you know, some people lie when they're better off telling the truth in certain situations. Raise your hand if you know somebody like that. Raise your hand if you are someone like that. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, some people are, are better off. I mean, they're, they're better off telling the truth. I mean, they lie when they're better off telling the truth. So that's how you know that there's a spirit behind it because when it becomes chronic to the point of self-harm, that's when you know there's a spirit behind it. And the best way to deal with that is simply to repent of that lying spirit, renounce it, and purpose to use your mouth only for the glory of God. Amen? Now, all these spirits that I'm giving you, giving you today are all related to one another. So the next spirit, a, a lying spirit, is related to this next one, the spirit of error, which is mentioned in 1 John 4, 6. And we'll, we'll go through a little bit of 1 John 4 here in a moment. But the spirit of error. So the manifestations of this one, and by the way, I have that picture of that little yard gargoyle right there. Maybe you think that that's innocent. But these little yard demons and yard gargoyles and gargoyles on buildings, don't do that to your your estate. Amen. Don't set up little gargoyles and demons on your estate like that. Don't, don't open the door to the demonic like that. You may think that that's cute and, and innocent, but it's not. Okay? M make your home and make your property a, a, a place of residence for the Holy Spirit, not dark spirits. Okay. So the manifestations of the spirit of error are false doctrines. And again, I've got all these listed with the, uh, the scriptures, the corresponding scriptures listed for you there. False doctrines, unsubmissiveness, according to 2 Peter 2.10. Unsubmissiveness is a manifestation of the spirit of error. Stiff-necked, what the Bible calls stiff-necked in Proverbs 10.17 and 29.1, which is being stubborn and unteachable. That's what the Bible calls being stiff-necked, just stubborn and unteachable. 
That's a manifestation of the spirit of error. Uh, slaves of depravity, according to 2 Peter 2.19, and contentions and divisiveness, according to Titus 3.10 and 11 and James 3.16. As a matter of fact, that one in, in Titus 3.10 and 11, that speaks to that contentions and the spirit of divisiveness very strongly. It, it says if, if someone has a spirit of division like that, then warn them once, then warn them a second time, but then after that have nothing to do with them. So God takes us very seriously, that spirit of divisiveness, where people just sow division among the brethren. That's what uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 6 talks about, that God hates the spirit of division. God hates divisiveness. God hates it when people sow discord among the brethren. It's, it's an abomination to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us. And then also another manifestation of the spirit of error is defensiveness and uh, being argumentative. And people like this defend God's revelations to them personally. Nobody else is right. I've got kind of a, the monopoly on truth here. So they defend God's re revelation to them personally. That's, that, that's when they become defensive and argumentative for anyone against anyone that disagrees with them on doctrinal issues or social issues or whatever the case may be. They defend God's revelations to them personally according to 2 Timothy 6, verses 20 and 21. All right, and then of course the New Age movement, I don't have to go into that in any great detail, but you can find that reference in Deuteronomy and the book of Acts and 2 Timothy chapter 3 as well, that the New Age movement. The New Age movement is just simply a way to try to tap into the spiritual apart from Jesus, apart from God, apart from the Bible. But it's all demonic, you see. And there, there is a spiritual realm. There's a spirit of darkness and a spirit of light. Okay, A kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. They both exist simultaneously. And one's trying to usurp authority over the other. And the, Satan uses very subtle tactics to try to trick people into accepting and believing things that are born in the bowels of hell that look very innocent and look very good. Okay? He, he disguises himself as an angel of light, the Bible tells us on occasion. Listen, folks, the devil's not going to come to you dressed in you know, long red underwear and, and horns and a pitchfork and a long pointy tail and tell you what he's going to do to you. He's not going to knock on your front door and tell you what he's going to do to you. He, he doesn't operate like that. He, he operates subtly. He operates covertly, right? So he, he's going to disguise himself as an angel of light. That's the, why there's so many deceptions in the world that sound good but are demonic, Okay, so on that note, let's go on to the next spirit and the last one that we'll deal with this morning, and that's the spirit of Antichrist. By the way, I'm only dealing with a few this morning. The reason I'm having to do a series on all that, I wasn't planning on doing a series on this, but there's so many of these different spirits listed in the Bible. There's at least 16 or 17 of them, at least, that I've found so far. So there may even be more than that. So I'm having to do a whole series on this to get through them all. But the spirit of Antichrist, let's uh, read 1 John 4, verses 1 through 3 together. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. 
This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and which is already in the world at this time. Did you know the spirit of Antichrist is already here? It's been here for a long time. Okay? So it's vital to understand the context of John's statements here. See, the term Antichrist means against Christ, of course. And when John wrote this letter, by the way, there were many diverse spirits and beliefs at work in the world at the time. There were many false teachings and mystery religions and spiritual experiences and, and even variations of Christianity uh, that were emerging at the time. And the spiritual atmosphere back then was not too unlike what we're experiencing in our world today. See, people entertained countless views regarding spirituality. So, John presented a definitive solution for wading through this quagmire of beliefs and teachings. He inspired his readers to pay attention and test the spirits. Test the spirits. So how do we do that? How do we test the spirits? How can you discern which teachers are imparting truth? And how do we recognize the spirit of Antichrist? All right, so that's what we're going to deal with with the remaining time together. So... Um, the next few minutes, we're going to deal with how to test the spirits. Well, first of all, these quote-unquote spirits that John is talking about here uh, were not merely disembodied supernatural beings. In John 4 that we just read from, John, uh, 1 John chapter 4, teaches us that a prophet or a teacher is the actual mouthpiece for a spirit. A prophet or a teacher is the actual mouthpiece for a spirit. And spiritual doctrines are promulgated through spokespersons. Spokespersons. Okay? See, teachers of truth are filled with the Spirit of God and thus are agents who speak for God. Teachers of falsehood, on the other hand, are spreading what the Bible calls doctrines of demons. Doctrines of demons in 1 Timothy 4.1. So the first test then in testing the spirits is simply the test of theology or doctrine. 1 John 4.2 from the passage that we just read from says that every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is from God. Therefore, we can ask this question right here. Does the content of the person's teaching acknowledge that Jesus Christ fully God and fully human, has come in the flesh and is the only way to reconciliation with the Father. That's the first test. If you can, the person can pass that test, that's a good sign, and we can start digging a little deeper. Now, in 1 John 4.3, it says next in John, in that next verse, in the third verse, but every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus Every spirit that, is, that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Okay? Therefore, the second test is that anyone who does not, not acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Bible presents him, as the Bible presents him, is inspired by the spirit of Antichrist. I'll say that again. Anyone who does not acknowledge Jesus Christ, as the Bible presents him, is inspired by the spirit of Antichrist. See, why is that? Because we know that the Bible is inspired and literally God breathed. All right? 
1 Timothy 3, verses 16 to 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I mean, I could literally do an entire series on validating why and how the Bible is indeed the Word of God and, and is unique compared to every other religious writing. Um, but we don't have time for that today. But we, we might get into that. In a, I've done it before. Probably we'll revisit that again at certain times. So um, I want to add this to the discussion here. There are people who misrepresent Christ um, kind of on both sides of the fence. And what I mean by that is that some people that misrepresent Christ can actually be people who are saved and who just simply have a warped or immature understanding of the Word of God and principles of the kingdom in some respects, in some areas. Therefore, false teachers can sometimes be people who do it unknowingly. False teachers can sometimes be people who do it unknowingly. Or they can be people who knowingly, on purpose, pervert the Word of God for their own selfish pursuits. Now, I'm going to call one out right now because you need to understand this. So um, maybe not everybody would be happy with me for actually calling out a name, but the Apostle Paul did this. And this person is so prominent that I want you to understand the false narrative, the false teaching of this person, and that is the Pope. The Pope is a false teacher. The Pope uh, just recently came out and said homosexuals can be priests in the Catholic Church and they can be ministers and, and homosexual marriage is okay. Folks, folks, I mean, what Bible is he reading? Right? I mean, a, a person that does that is inspired by the spirit of Antichrist because that's completely against the teaching of Scripture. Now, I want to say something real quick, and you know me. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We don't hate homosexuals. We love them. I have people in, in my life who I consider to be friends who are homosexuals. But you know what? They know where I stand spiritually. They, I, you know, I don't beat them over the head with a Bible or anything. Uh, but they know where I stand spiritually. And just because I love them as a person doesn't mean that I approve and condone that lifestyle. I don't condone homosexuality any more than I condone adultery or fornication or pedophilia for that matter. Okay? You can love a person and not condone the lifestyle or the sin. So this teaching is not about homosexuality this morning. I just want to be really forthright with you. might get me in trouble because this is being recorded. It goes out there on the internet. So I don't know if I'll get persecution from this or not, but I don't care because the Pope is an antichrist. He, he's operating uh, with the spirit of antichrist. Okay. So you have to stand for truth regardless of what the, the culture is saying. Just because the majority of people might believe something doesn't make it, it true. Folks, at one point in our history, the majority of people in this nation believed that slavery was okay. Did that mean that slavery was okay because the majority of people accepted it? No. But at, at one point, the people of God stood up and continued to do so to speak against this evil. And now, thank God, slavery has been overturned, and we need to be of the same spirit today that, that, that is willing to stand up and speak against the evil being forced upon this nation by those who are inspired by the spirit of Antichrist. Amen. Maybe I should go a step further with that. 
and say that the Pope, the Vatican, and most of the Catholic Church today is practicing things that are not biblical, teaching things that are not biblical, and you need to be aware of these non-biblical antichrist teachings so that you can recognize it when they rear their ugly heads. I love the Catholics. I've had friends who are Catholics. I think some of them are, are wonderful people, but they are deceived in certain ways. And I'm not saying that every person that is Catholic is not saved. I'm not saying that. I think that Mother Teresa, she's in heaven today. I believe that. Um, but there's things that the Catholic Church has preached and taught. That's why, well, I don't know why I'm going off on this. Does anybody in here come from a Catholic background? Anybody at all? Okay, so, yeah, okay, yeah. So, you know what I'm talking about here, and I I'm, hope I'm not, you know, offending, but just need to speak the truth of this. There was only one church back in the first, what, what was it, five, several centuries. There was only, I forget how many centuries it was, it was just only one church. It was the quote-unquote Catholic Church. But then the Catholic Church morphed into so much of a monstrosity of apostate teaching that then that's when Martin Luther broke off into what is now known as Protestantism or the Protestant Church. And that had to happen. That needed to happen because the Catholic Church morphed into a monstrosity that was Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist took over the, because it all became political, it all became uh, based upon money and power and influence. Anyway, I don't have time to go off on the history of the Catholic Church, but folks, we, this is what I'm talking about. This, so That's what I'm talking about, the spirit of error, the spirit of Antichrist, because we need to understand that there is a spirit at work in the world that will twist the Word of God to try to pull churches off track so they're not even practicing biblical Christianity anymore. There's, there's churches, not just Catholic churches, in this town that are not even practicing biblical Christianity anymore. Why? Because of the spirit of Antichrist. That's why. So again, there's people who pervert the word unknowingly, and there's also those that pervert it on purpose for their own selfish pursuits. See, regardless of what category, Satan opposes Christ, and he desires to deceive people into a false view of biblical truth. See, the spirit of Antichrist twists the truth about Christ and his word. And, and sometimes that can be very subtle. I heard a country song one time where the, the singer of the song was saying, I don't need a hand-waving preacher to convince me that there's a hell because I see that when people get laid off from their jobs and can't make their mortgage payments, those people are experiencing hell. I went, buddy, you have no idea what you're talking about. If you could just get a five-second glimpse of hell, you would not compare it to losing your job. There's not even a comparison. So there's things like that that are very, very subtle that come out that, you know, and, and sometimes this particular country music singer that I'm thinking about, man, it, sometimes in his albums, he'll do hymns. He'll talk about the church, going to church, he'll talk about Jesus, and then he comes off with some sort of crazy, wacko theology like, I, I don't need a hand-waving preacher to tell me there's a hell. I already know there's a hell because people get laid off their jobs and can't make their mortgage payment. <laughs> really? Listen, don't get your theology from country music, okay? <laughs> right? Amen. Don't get your, your theology. As a matter of fact, don't... Gosh, you're, you're, I'm getting wound up now. <clears throat> I, I want to warn you against getting your theology from social media as well. I want to even warn you about getting your theology from some Christian songs. Yeah. 
You know, some people get frustrated at me sometimes because there'll be these worship songs. I really like these worship songs, but they'll have like a line or two in it. It's like, where did that come from? I really like the song, but I hate that line. So sometimes I'll, I'll, we'll do the, the song in church, but I'll change the line. I'll rewrite a line. I know some people get frustrated at me about that. Because I'm, I'm not, I love the song, but I'm not singing that line. Um, there's some songs I just reject entirely because the theology is so bad. So don't get your theology necessarily from songs. Get it from the Bible, folks. All right. So Satan works to spread lies, folks, about Christ. And, and he even works to spread lies about himself. You know, he doesn't want to be recognized. Satan doesn't want to be recognized. He, he wants to fly under the radar so you don't recognize what he's doing. So he spreads lies about Christ and spreads, spreads lies about himself um, to keep people in the dark. That's what he does. That's the spirit of Antichrist. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says the God of this age, referring to Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Who blinds the minds of unbelievers so they can't believe? Satan does. Through his demons, through his activity in the earth, he blinds their minds and their eyes. John 8, this is Jesus speaking. When he, referring to the devil, lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. That's all Satan does is lie. You know, you've heard it said of politicians, I can tell he's lying when his mouth is moving, right? Or something like that. You can always tell he's lying when his mouth is moving. That's the spirit of Antichrist. That's Satan. He, when he moves his mouth, he lies. That's all he does. Revelation 12, 9. This refers to the, the great dragon, who is Satan. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan. Who leads the whole world astray? He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So, testing the spirits. The spirit of Antichrist is at work in a lot of people, folks, and it's, it's Satan that promulgates all that. See, the birds that eat the seeds along the path in the parable of, um, in the parable in Mark chapter 4, Jesus' parable, is a representation, in fact, of the spirit of Antichrist. And even given the pervasive influence of the spirit of Antichrist, I want to encourage you about something. There's no need to fear. There's no need to fear. We read in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3 just a moment ago, but I didn't give you verse 4. Verse 4 says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yeah. Amen. So in other words, God wins. Satan's not more powerful than God is, not even close. They're not having an arm wrestling match, and we're, we're not waiting to see who wins. You know, that arm wrestling match already happened, and it, and it didn't even last very long. Jesus wanted a very decisive victory on Calvary, and then when he raised from the dead. The, the battle's over in that regard. Okay, But we still have guerrilla warfare that the enemy is still carrying out upon the earth because there's still demons on the, on the earth, right? There's still demons in the world. So John reminds us then that the spirit of truth indwells all believers and provides protection from the spirit of Antichrist as long as there's a condition on this that we can see in other parts of the Bible. As long as we remain open, humble, and teachable. 
So I want to say that again. The Apostle John, John reminds us in 1 John that the spirit of truth indwells all believers and provides protection from that spirit of Antichrist, from the deception of the spirit of Antichrist. But in order to to get in on that, we've got to stay open, humble, and teachable. I'll remind you that one of the, the manifestations of the spirit of error that we looked at just a few moments ago is being stiff necked, which is being a stubborn and unteachable, is what stiff necked refers to. In fact, Proverbs 29.1 says, a person who remains stiff necked after many rebukes will be destroyed, and that beyond remedy, it says. Folks, listen, when someone is teachable, I'll bend over backwards for someone like that. But it's when a person stops being teachable that they're ripe for demonic deception. And the Pharisees were a great example of that. You know, they were very proud of their knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. But they were, they were so deceived in their religious pride that when their Messiah that the Old Testament scriptures wrote about was standing in front of them, they didn't even recognize him. And the few that did recognize him, many of them just went ahead and had him crucified anyway because they didn't like the package that it came in. That's the spirit of Antichrist as well. People who are prideful religiously, if that makes sense. Religious pride. Religious pride is one of the meanest demons ever. Religious pride. You know, I've met many people over the course of my walk with Christ who who want to tell their pastor a thing or two, but they don't want to be taught anything. And I'm not talking about just in this church. I'm talking about in in a lot of my my circles and church experiences. I mean, this is all over. And some of these people, they've been saved two, three, four years, and they want to counsel a pastor who's been preaching the gospel 30, 40 years. So that's a... That's being stiff-necked. That's being stubborn. That's that religious pride rearing its head. Folks, when you, when you stop being teachable, you stop being usable. When I say that again. When you stop being teachable, you stop being usable. Why? Because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I mean, we all ought to be willing to learn from those much younger from us. But by the same token, this stiff-necked spirit of religious pride that I've seen in the church that causes such divisiveness, that's the spirit of Antichrist at work. We all ought to remain teachable and humble and open. Amen? All right, so the third test in how to test the spirits, and this is the final one, is that those who are influenced by the spirit of Antichrist are of the world. They have the same values as the world, therefore, Therefore, the world listens to them. They have the same values as the world. Therefore, the world listens to them. Okay, what's an example of that? I'm going to name another name. Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey speaks with the spirit of Antichrist because she speaks concepts that sound very good but are not biblical and will take people to hell. But they sound so good and flowery and, and, and nice. And that's the way the devil packages his junk. Good and flowery and nice and a nice appealing little package. We have to know the word of God for ourselves to recognize the spirit of Antichrist. 1 John 4 verses 5 and 6. So we're kind of 
working through the first few verses of 1 John 4 here, says this, false prophets are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world. Think of people like Oprah and other people like that, very prominent, that speak from the viewpoint of the world. Think of some of these late night talk show hosts, uh, Bill Maher and people like that, who are speaking from the perspective of the world, but who have great influence. False prophets are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. See, the gospel that the apostles preached, folks, is never popular in the world, never has been, never will be. But it's that very gospel that holds the power to save through God's spirit of truth, according to Romans 1.16. All right. I told you at the outset of the teaching I was going to swing all the way back around to our master text and make a few closing points on that. So let's do that. So our weaponry against the spirit of Antichrist and all these other spirits that we're going to talk about in this series is listed in that chapter that we read from in Ephesians chapter 6 as our master text. So I'm just going to go through some of these kind of quickly. We may revisit them as the series unfolds. The belt of truth in verse 14 and the, the breastplate of righteousness. That's a, an understanding of your knowledge of your right standing in God. That's what the breastplate of righteousness represents. Your understanding of your right standing with God so that when you get tempted by the devil saying, uh, who do you think you are? Look at what you did yesterday. Look at the way that you behave. Look at what you said. Look at what you thought. Look at what you did. You're good for nothing. You're not even a Christian. You're not even saved. Just give this thing up. Give this church thing up because you can't do this. You can... Fight against that, that fiery dart, with the breastplate of righteousness by knowing who you are in Christ. Uh, LaDonna talked about our identity in Christ this morning. That's that breastplate of righteousness. Knowing who you are in Christ is a very important part of our armament. The gospel of peace in verse 15. The shield of faith in verse 16. The helmet of salvation. That's a protection for your head or your mind or your thoughts. Okay? The sword of the spirit. And also praying in the Spirit, verse 18. Now, I'm not going to elaborate on all these right now because we're closing down the teaching right now. But all these, really most of them, center around the Word of God. Most of the pieces of your, of your armament center around the Word of God. So how do we keep ourselves from being deceived then? Well, be a person of the Word and remain teachable. If you can go home with those two points today, I mean, I didn't put that in your notes, but if you don't want to write that down, if you'll, if you'll go home with those two points right there, this will help to keep you from being deceived. Be a person of the word and remain teachable. And if you remain open and humble and teachable, and you're a person of, of prayer, you're a person of, of the word of God, you're a person that exposes yourself to good teaching and preaching, then you have a much, much less chance of becoming deceived. Is this helpful at all for this morning? All right. Stand up. We're going to pray. Again, I don't know how many teachings this is going to require to get through all of these, but we're going to cover all of these spirits that uh, the Bible talks about so that we can identify the movements and tactics of the enemy because we're not going to be unaware of his tactics, are we? Amen. Let's pray. 
You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Pastor Andy Robbins and Blessed Life Fellowship. For more teaching and ministry resources, go to the church website at www.blessedlifefellowship.org. Thanks for listening, and may God's grace and favor shine on you.